Welcome. It is Thursday, and that means another Literature 209 Graphical Lens Society in History, also known as the Comics Course. Today, we're going to talk about Loki, Hubris, Hangovers, the 1970s, and the Wedding Sausage. So, we're going to uh, just go ahead and jump right in. Uh, as usual, I'm Professor Hamby. This is my TA Rowan. Say hello, Rowan. Hello. And we are recording here at my office slash rent-free home at Miskatonic University. Um, the administration has apparently passed a rule saying that we are not supposed to actually live in our offices, um, but that we were allowed to put in a couch for sleeping so that we wouldn't drive home tired. Um... However, he will allow this to exist retroactively for those of us living here until we leave. Fortunately, I have a bathroom in my office. Um, I did have some people ask me out of concern about the student who got caught by the dog in the quad. I asked the dean about it, Dr. Feckett. Uh, unfortunately, he then got to the point of telling me it was an education student, and I just stopped listening after that. I mean, really, what? We lost a future high school guidance counselor? Who cares? Um, some people have been asking about Thomas. We do care about Thomas. Apparently, he is still not responding to emails, but has created a SoundCloud account. I am getting the public link to that, so would maybe by next time can see what Thomas has been working on. I'm intrigued. And it's film day. This is medicinal whiskey, folks. Mm -hmm. It's been a rough week. I've been having breathing problems. I don't leave the office, so I don't think it's COVID. Unless you've transmitted COVID, Rowan. No. Okay. I don't have much contact with the outside world, folks. I don't even get deliveries of comics anymore. I have a 10 terabyte drive, 5 terabytes mirrored that I store digital comics on. Um, plus, you know, iCloud. So, that's how I read comics anymore, and I do all my classes remote like this. So, I don't know where this crud's come from. Uh, oh, it had to have come from the commissary deliveries. Yeah. Okay, so for those who attended public school, you know what film day is. It's the day where the teacher comes in and says... You know, I think you kids deserve a break, so we're going to watch a film in class today. Um, of course, the truth is that it was never about giving the kids a break. It was because the teacher had been partying a little too hard with uh, Captain M and uh, Jay Cuerzo the night before. And uh, needed a little time in a dark room with sunglasses on to kind of chill out. I'm not going to do that. This is quality education at Miskatonic University, folks. I may feel like crap, and I may not have Shang-Chi's uh, class session ready. And I'm reading every Shang-Chi appearance ever in preparation for our discussion. I'm up to 1988 right now, by the way. But we're still going to talk about some real stuff. And there is some interesting stuff from this week to talk about, I think. Now, first up, a spoiler alert. We're going to talk a little bit about the Loki TV series. We're going to try to talk relatively spoiler-free and broad terms. But if you do not want to know anything about the TV series, you're going to want to, you know, skip ahead some. So let's talk about it. I know, Rowan, you've been watching it, too. Mm 
And here on the screen, we have a picture of Owen Wilson's character uh, with Loki from the first episode when he arrives at the TVA and he's kind of in a prisoner outfit. First, let me just get your opinion. What have you thought of the Loki TV series on Disney Plus? Interesting and not what I expected from a Loki TV show. What did you expect? Honestly, I wasn't fully sure what I was expecting going in, but most certainly not this. Okay. Were, were you expecting him to be more of the protagonist that drives everything rather than mo much of the time just kind of observing? Yeah, I was definitely expecting his actions to drive the plot because it's Loki. I was not expecting him to be more of a spectator than anything else. I do think at pivotal moments his actions drove the plot, though. Mm -hmm. I do think he is definitely the protagonist, or at least co-protagonist. Um, I don't think I'm particularly spoiling anything by telling people that uh, multi-universal Lokis, variants of Loki, play a major part in this. Um... If that's a spoiler, <laughs> well, too bad. Um, two of the things that I found interesting is that, one, the show started off in what was definitely, essentially, an homage to 70s buddy cop movies with the odd couple cops. You know, there was this motif in the 70s of the odd couple, you know, like one who was really tough and sloppy and one who was by the books and smart and they had to work together and made a great cop team, even though they were an odd couple. And, and they definitely had that vibe with Owen Wilson and Tom Hiddleston's character. Very much complemented by the whole 70s uh, vibe of the TVA. Mm -hmm. And then it just went off the rails from there into things totally different, which, which I, I enjoyed. Yeah, definitely. Um, but one of the things that intrigued me about the series is that the entire the entire series had two purposes. Um, one, well, I'm going to say three. Three purposes. One, just flat out, was fan service for the people who love Tom Hiddleston as Loki. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's why they made the effort for him to say that he was bisexual. That's why they gave him so many great lines. It's why they did a lot of the things they did with him. And that's cool. That's totally fine. I mean, it is his series. It is the Loki TV series Doing Loki fan service is appropriate in this kind of work, I think. Mm -hmm. I mean, you are trying to appeal to fans of the character. Mm -hmm. Two, they're looking to redefine the mythology of Loki. Um, and we talked a lot in our last two class sessions about the mythology of comics. Now, if you go back to Loki of the comics, he was pretty much a sour bastard. I mean... He was like, rah, 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 I'm, I hate everybody and I hate everything and I'm going to be evil because being evil is, well, it's what I do. And uh, he, he, despite being an iconic villain, he was never a terribly interesting villain, really. And the comics very rarely ever played up the mischief aspect of Loki, at least until fairly recent years. There are writers who've turned against that. Um, and... The dimensionality, the multidimensionality of Loki in the movies, as played by Tom Hiddleston, and I think the actor deserves a lot of credit for this, because even in the movies, his character is pretty flat. I mean, let's be honest, his character in the Avengers could have been played extremely flat. I think any non-flatness can be laid at the feet of the actor in his delivery. 
Yeah, he death. did a great job. Yeah. Lots of charisma. And people have flocked to him. I mean, um, I know more gay women that want Tom Hiddleston to be female than, uh, it's ridiculous. I mean, he has huge charisma and he has lots of fans and, um, yeah, it's just a thing. Mm -hmm. And they've spent time in the show explicitly saying things like, what makes a Loki a Loki? Mm -hmm. Did you catch that? Oh, yeah, they, they shoved that in our faces. Well, and that's what they're doing. They the, the writers are clearly talking about the same thing that I talked about in class, which is what defines a character. What is going to be iconic? Oh, God, Loki is taking over the computer. <laughs> um. Loki doesn't like me talking about him. Well, too bad, Loki, we're talking about you. My apologies for anybody, you know, who has a nervous system disorder that's triggered by flashing lights. You're now on the floor screaming in pain and, um, don't sue me. Um, it's Loki's fault. Sue Marvel. I mean, frankly, who are you going to get more money out of? Disney or an assistant professor at Miskatonic University? Really? Disney, clearly. Depends on whose lawyers you prefer the fight. Um... I don't have lawyers. I have a guy from Brunswick, New Jersey named Tino. Um, and we're not going to talk more about that right now. So they talk about Loki. And, you know, there was talk about, is Loki the god of mischief? Is he the god of liars? Is he the god of this? Is he the god of that? And what they settled on was Loki is a survivor. And they asked the question, can a Loki change? And when they introduced the classic Loki... He was particularly worried about this. He diverged from the timeline of our Loki when Thanos failed to kill him, and he went off to live in isolation and not cause any more harm. You know, and that concern about harm being something we saw our Loki look at his own past and wonder if he had done too much. It's, and then, of course, we saw him do something dramatically different. We saw Loki become a hero. Yeah. So we see this expansion. We see, I said before, mythology can be additive, but not subtractive. So they are adding these aspects of Loki on. And why are they doing this? It is because he has passed what is called the Quinzel threshold. I call it the Quinzel threshold, and I'm trademarking this shit. Mm-hmm. And it's named after Dr. Harleen Quinzel, a.k.a. Harley Quinn. Because she got so popular they couldn't keep her just aside. Bingo. A side villain. When, when you have a breakout character that is essentially a villain, and that character is such a breakout character that it's like having a press that makes magic money for you, then you cannot keep them a villain. Because you cannot take this character who is, you know, women are out there buying black market Loki pasties for their nipples when they go to the beach. And... They can't have that being a child murderer. I, I mean, Marvel clearly won't sh sell women's pasties with Loki on them. But, I mean, jump on some of these third world country sites. I bet they're being sold. I broke another TA. Damn it, folks. They told me I can't get a new one till next semester. So, yes, he's past the Quinzel threshold. And uh, that's what they got to do. They have to make him a hero. 
and or at least at least an anti-hero, at least complicated, at least something that's not a die in the wool villain anymore. Yeah, and I think and I think anyone who knows his popularity went into this knowing they were going to redeem him somehow. Right. And the longer he maintains that level of popularity, the more of a hero he will be made. Mm-hmm. They started this with Harley Quinn, where she became an anti-hero, and then she became complicated. And she's pretty darn close to just hero at this point. Yeah. Um, so, Loki's out there. I do recommend people watch it. Um, it's good. And if you're a Disney Plus subscriber, tell them we need a Deadpool series. Yes. So... We're now going to talk about DC Comics in the 1970s. Now, and we're going to talk about this because this leads to the root of all evil. Now, I've been looking at comics in the 70s a bunch this week because I was reading Shang-Chi, which got introduced in the 1970s. And we're going to talk about, very briefly, something called the DC Explosion and then the Implosion. And it all started because Marvel was kicking DC's ass in sales. Marvel had a whole bunch of titles out there. And they were well-written, and they were complicated. I mean, they had characters that fought. They were interesting. Remember, this is the decade, although it came on later in the 70s, this was the decade where when Marvel started reprinting old racist stories and jungle action, their own writers came forward and said, look, we're better than this. We can do something interesting with African characters, which brought along the rebirth of Black Panther. Um... But we go back er, a few years earlier, in 1975, DC decides what they're going to do is over the next four years, they're going to launch 57 new titles. And they're going to make some books longer, and they're going to charge more, and they decide this is how they're going to compete with Marvel. They're going to add more diversity to their line, and they're going to make more books, and this will make them money. And it became known as the DC Explosion. And here are some of the titles from early on there that I've put on the screen. One is Richard Dragon Kung Fu Fighter, another Kung Fu title. Like Marvel, they knew that they wanted to jump on the Kung Fu bandwagon. And it was an interesting title for a couple of reasons. Um, One being that it included the introduction of two characters that are still heavily used today. Bronze Tiger, an African-American martial artist. And you cannot completely separate the interest in Kung Fu media in the U.S. from the urban communities where these films were shown early on. Um, and Lady Shiva, an Asian character that still has, in some ways, in the books, has a very Shang-Chi-like role, except for DC, of this martial arts master that others go to to learn stuff. But notice the name on the cover is Richard Dragon, a white guy, because a white martial artist needs to be your main character. And of course, the white guy is always going to be better at martial arts than the people who grew up with it, because he's white. <laughs> Now, his his star has full has failed over the years, and Marvel's a bit guilty of this, too. We'll talk a little bit about uh, uh, Iron Fist uh, when we talk about Shang-Chi. But it shows a diversification. I mean, this is different. They also had titles based on Greek mythology, and this one, the other one on the screen, uh, that I just want to mention, it's an anthology one-shot title just titled Superheroes Battle Super Gorillas. With a story of Superman fighting a giant gorilla, Batman fighting some sort of gorilla, the Flash fighting Gorilla Grodd, and Wonder Woman fighting a gorilla. So... How easy was it to get a hold of drugs back then? 
very, very easy. And it was good stuff, man. Okay, that answers but I th But I think what this shows more than that is they were trying out a new title like Kung Fu Fighter, mm -hmm. which they knew would be of more interest to teens and older, but they still had, at this point, some of that spinner rack culture. Some of that comics are for kids and we need a quick, easy sale for them. Mm -hmm. um, now, all of this was doing fine for a few years, but then in 1978, it just imploded. They looked to launch 57 new titles. They ended up canceling 65 of them. Ooh. So, 57 plus 8. Um, and it really hurt them. And that led them to do some experiments. Now, this, on the screen now, um, it is the World of Krypton number 1, 40 cents. It shows Superman uh, in the background watching as the spaceship carrying him leaves Krypton exploding. And this was the very first miniseries ever. The very, very first one. Three issues, and it showed, and it told the story of the history of Krypton. Now, this ended up not sort of sticking in the popular consciousness as much as the one told, as the one just titled Krypton by John Byrne after Crisis. But still, this was highly successful, and it led to other miniseries uh, that dealt with Batman, Green Lantern, a couple more Superman ones. And these were a way to make money without committing to a long series. And in fact, it became something where new properties were also introduced, uh, like Camelot 3000 and Amethyst, Princess of Gemworld. And in the case of Amethyst, she was so popular that she became part of an ongoing regular series of her own. Amethyst, Princess of Gemworld, by the way, being the first editorial work of Karen Berger, who discovered Neil Gaiman and helped found... Uh, Vertigo for DC imprint uh, about two decades later. That's cool. Yep. Uh, well, not two decades, really about one decade later. Um, so this was a big deal. Now, of course, when Marvel discovered that, they decided to jump on the bandwagon. And they committed, they did something so horrible, so evil, so insidiously foul. They not only created a miniseries, but they created the miniseries Crossover. Contest of Champions. Now, this was a self-contained story. You didn't have to read a ton of different books, but it didn't take them long to jump to that because this inspired them to do Secret Wars later, which I talked about as the first major crossover work that forced you to read tons, basically damn near everything the company published to follow the whole story. But this was their experiment, a three-issue miniseries with basically every character they could think of in the Marvel Universe combined in order to draw people into reading one miniseries. And it was hugely effective. Hugely effective. Um, so this is kind of the root of evil in some ways, right here. Marvel Contest of Champions. But as I was reading this, and I was reading this because I was thinking about uh, Chinese characters. And we're going to talk about this in the Shang-Chi course session a lot. Um, and there's a character called the Multiple Man. I thought he originated in the Contest of Champions. I still think he does. I found a web resource that said he premiered in an issue of Incredible Hulk. Um, I actually pulled that issue of Incredible Hulk, and he was not in it. So if he did premiere in Hulk, it was not that issue. I think he premiered here in the Contest of Champions. Um, I previously was showing the three covers of the three issues. Now I'm showing a giant slide of all these heroes assembled in one place. And you can see, just in front of the Hulk, the multiple man. 
with his little red star costume that is reminiscent of the Chinese flag. And now I'm moving forward to show a slide. Two new characters that I could easily identify were introduced in Contest of Champions, one from Ireland and one from China. The Chinese one being Multiple Man. He could split into five copies of himself, five brothers, and he could pull on their combined powers, as well as the people of the Republic of China. And it's a whole shtick based around them being communist. So the fact of China being communist was the defining trait of this Asian character. And before you stop and say that this is clear Asian racism, and maybe it is, keep in mind, here's our Irish character, Shamrock. So they did the same thing with an Irish character. So this isn't racism in the sense of we're going to oversimplify yellow people. This is a sense, this is more of a nationalism sort of thing where it's like, you're not American, then whatever country you're from defines you and your superpowers. You know, which is kind of weird considering that we're not that far from when characters like an Australian Wolverine, a Russian Colossus, an African Storm. I mean, the X-Men was very multinational, very racial, um, and not defined nationalistically. They got new writers. Well, I mean, yes, these were different writers, definitely. Um, but I wanted to point that out. And, and this was not uncommon. Uh, looking at the history of Marvel's Chinese characters, many of them were defined in a very nationalistic way. Um, and when not defined by communism, defined by mythology, until very recently. And we'll, again, talk about that in the Shang-Chi course. But they're not the only ones guilty of that. Uh, DC has done plenty of that as well. And... I do also want to mention that showcased in this issue, uh, this series, but unfortunately not used in the series, was Red Wolf, actually an early Native American hero from Marvel that was very interesting, well done, not stereotypical, and unfortunately horribly underused. Even though they show him being grabbed here, he's not used in the series, which is a shame. And then this. Now, this series had two colorists and i'm showing two panels both from the first issue of the comic here of black panther now rowan this is a quiz basically these are both just headshots of black panther mm -hmm. no dialogue showing in dark blue which was often used to represent black mm -hmm. uh what is the difference between these two panels that you can see the thing i noticed right away is in one of them his skin is clearly dark and in one he's pasty white he's caucasian yeah. So if you want an idea of how much the comics world has changed in the last 40 years, well, less than 40, really, here we have a character that now is one of the premier characters of the Marvel Universe. Mm -hmm. His, he, he's all over the Avengers. He, you know, putting him in another title is going to help sell it in a big way. Um, mm -hmm. You know, he, he is one of the big iconic figures of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. He's A-tier. He is, is S-tier. Mm -hmm. um, and yet, when they did this series, between two colorists, one of them didn't know what color his skin was supposed to be. And they couldn't even quarter work together. Right. And, and it wasn't caught. They haven't bothered to fix it. So, that's something interesting, I think. Yeah. And... You know, I was looking in this in part to see if they use Shang-Chi any, 
And what I'm showing on the page now is in the back, they listed all the heroes of 1982. Shang-Chi is not even listed. Now keep in mind, his title, Master of Kung Fu, wasn't didn't end until 1983. So he was a character being published by Marvel who had his own title, and he couldn't even get listed as a text blurb in the back of Contest of Champions. Oh, no. So I thought, so root of evil, evil. I mean, they're just, they're leaving out my Shang-Chi. They're, you know, making racist uh, references to Chinese, Chinamen and uh, uh, the Irish. They're ignoring my uh, American Indian brothers. I mean, and they're whitewashing T'Challa. I mean, this is, and it led to the crossover limited series. Evil, pure evil, this work right here. So I'm not going to give you an assignment this week. And we're nearly at the end, but I did have one more thing I wanted to bring up. Now, um, I'm going to break character for a second here. This is Rogan, the actual Rogan, not Rogan, the professor of Miskatonic University. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I've always wondered, what would I do if somebody came forward and actually wanted to sponsor the YouTube channel or podcast? Oh, no, we're talking about this now. Yes, we're going to talk about this. Um, and the fact is, I take it. And if I do that, I'm going to do some sort of shtick on the podcast as Professor Hamby, where I say, you know, the university's, you know, needs money. They're forcing me to do this, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And, and be, you know, upset about it and all that. But um, because... I'm willing to take people's money. Yeah. I'm free. I'm okay with doing this. I'm a capitalist. We need Kit Kat funds. We need Kit Kat funds. I eat a lot of Japanese Kit Kats, and these things aren't cheap, folks. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't live off them like the fictional character of myself does, but I do eat them regularly. I actually have a whole box of them over here. Can confirm. Can see them. Yep. Um, currently enjoying strawberries and creams, cream ones, mm. and I just got some banana and caramel ones. So anyway, I did receive an offer for sponsoring the podcast. I've declined it. Um, I'm not going to give the name of the product because I don't want to give them promotion here after I declined. But it is a male genital grooming product with a tagline about smoothing the family fruit. And I'm amused because, A, they at some point, watched my YouTube channel and said to themselves, this is clearly a man with well-groomed balls. And we want to associate our product with him as the sterling example he will be. And clearly, he has an audience of people who may not have well-groomed balls. And they may not be silky smooth little, you know. And, and, and we think we can reach that audience through him. And I really don't know how I feel about this. Um, and I'm going to leave you with that thought. Because there are places reopening. There are people going back to cons. And if you're a con goer, first of all, please shower. Um, second of all, I mean, if you meet a Harley Quinn in booty shorts who takes you back up to her room... Or a Deadpool in booty shorts, or a Loki in booty shorts. I mean, whatever booty short, you know, type character you run into. Totoro in booty shorts. 
You know. I, d- 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 no. I didn't need to go there? No. Okay. You just touched something sacred. Okay, well, we'll back up and pretend I didn't say that last one. Um, you know, y- you don't want to go with the cosplayer who's invited you up to their room and then drop your pants and for them to go, Oh, God. You should have listened to Rogan's podcast and, you know, picked up the offer for Smooth Your <clears throat> Playground. And um, I, I'm never going to mention this again, ever. Um, it's been a rough week. I've had some breathing problems and health problems. And that was just the bit of surreality that uh, I felt like I had to pass on to all of you. When he got the email, um, yeah, it it bizarre. You, you sat there rereading it. Yeah, I read it like six times because I was like, "This is does not say what I think it says, does it?" It did. It does. Um, so I'm not going to take their money. I'm not going to tell you how you can smooth your um, dodgeballs. Um. I will, you know, just be clean. And if you do go, are starting to go back out to cons and stuff like that, please wear a mask. Please do some social distancing. We're not out of the woods on this thing yet. And if you think COVID is some sort of leftist propaganda, um, nature doesn't give a crap about our politics, folks. It really doesn't. Mm -hmm. So, all right. Be safe. Uh, I am hoping to get the Shang-Chi stuff done and hopefully uploaded this weekend, but we'll see how it goes. All right. Take care, folks. Bye.